Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Pinkin.com Norwich City podcast, episode number 403, up into the 400s now. And the countdown is very much on. Next Friday, Norwich City will be back in action. Of course, fans sadly won't be there. We've talked about that at length, but we'll soon be turning our attentions to the football very firmly. I'm Dave Freezer. We're also coming to you on Future Radio 107.8 FM. And alongside me is... Connor Southwell, Di Cunningham from Proud Canaries and Norwich City Women, and Chairman of Canaries Trust, Robin Sainty. How are we doing, guys? Yeah, good, Dave. Thanks. Yeah, surprisingly well. Yeah, good. Thank you, Dave. Good, good to hear. Good to hear. Right. There's a lot going on in the world at the moment, isn't there? Um, which I think is probably focusing attentions on football at the moment. With everything that's going on, obviously the pandemic, the coronavirus, which is, you know, she extended to us all countries around the world we've got the black lives matter protests and everything that's going on globally with protests there's environmental matters there's hong kong there's it's just i feel like everybody's sort of looking forward to the football coming back and it providing that entertainment and that distraction because that at the end of the day is what football is about isn't it robin yes it is i mean i i I think we have a very unnatural situation at the moment. People have time on their hands. That uh, a lot of people are at home where they normally wouldn't be, and, and therefore are spending a lot more time thinking about what's going on in the world than perhaps we normally would. So, um, yeah, I mean, football is uh, it's TV that's supposed to be the opiate of the masses, but football's a pretty close second, I suspect. So, uh, yeah, it will give us something to. Uh, to focus on certainly yeah now it's been i've been quite encouraged to see the amount of um willing that particularly the younger players it almost seems ha- have had on their social media platforms to really speak out about everything that's going on at the moment you know equality racial issues are really really up there at the moment die how how pleased have you been to see the amount of footballers who are confident enough to speak about such a serious issue um, and, and from what I've seen, I haven't seen too much of the sort of stupidity of social media. I haven't seen a lot of horrible responses in to, to the players showing that bravery. Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting linking um, that point with the point you, you just talked about with Robin about the um, the normality, if you like, of football, uh, that when football returns, that's a kind of standard, isn't it, of normality, um, and uh, that's what we're kind of striving to get back to. But in a way, I think some people were kind of obviously the, the financial issues as well. And, and according to Stuart Webber, that seems to be the main driver for the Premier League. Surprise, surprise, in, in returning to football. Um, but it's also uh, football is so powerful. It, it's transformative and it, it makes people think beyond the game and so seeing 
our own players. You know, the the club tweeted out the picture stronger together of um, our players um, uh, 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 showing support for Black Lives Matter. That's just so powerful. It reaches so many people. And in a way, that in itself normalises that message of equality. So, um, yeah, I just think football's brilliant. And, it, it, and, and people say keep politics out of football. But, you know, equality for a start isn't, isn't politics. Um, I, unfortunately, I think there has been um, some trolling. You know, if you look at uh, there was a really strong message a depressing message, really, from um, Liam Senior yesterday, okay. and um, obviously the Raheem Sterling message as well on social media. And there was a significant backlash from trolls against both of those, which I think is really disappointing. But um, certainly, from in terms of Norwich City and Norwich City supporters, um, so pleased with the with the response and, and support for for Black Lives Matters and for. The, the, the obviously, you know, it's been going on for a while now, but the welfare support that the players and the club have offered in terms of coronavirus. Mm. Well, just, as you mentioned it there, I just double check that the club's uh, Twitter account, just for one example, has almost 700,000 followers. So that's a significant impact you can make with releasing those sort of messages. And Connor, I mean, we've seen quite a few of the players, haven't we? And Todd, Emmy, Max, they've all felt brave enough to sort of share these things. And I, I know it's a little bit, uh, it's a little bit difficult, particularly for young lads. I mean, Max is still, he's what, 20, isn't he? So, the, you know, he's still a man growing up in this world and finding his way. But um, I, th- there are some encouraging, so, I mean, obviously there's a lot of worrying things going on around the whole matters and, and what's going on in America at the moment is really concerning. But I think from a football perspective, we've heard some stuff from Chris Hewton this morning, haven't we, that potentially this could be an opportunity for the game to to move these issues forward. Yeah, I, I think football is is probably an example, perhaps like the rest of us in recent days and in, in the last week or so, that have probably looked within itself a little bit and has sort of said, right, are, are we doing enough? Are we promoting enough? And I, I think what, what we've got to say first and foremost is um, you have to praise the football club for, I guess, supporting the players to voice their opinions in that way. Because I, th- I think there would be, we saw with the Mesut Ozil stuff, um, I think earlier this season, when Arsenal sort of distanced themselves from comments he was making right. about uh, something completely different. So it's it's good that this kind of feels like a united push from from Norwich to, to support their players and, and also to, to raise awareness for it. And, and you've mentioned the importance of social media. But yeah, I think those Chris Hewton comments are right. The uh, Raheem Sterling ones as well on, in his uh, Newsnight interview as well. I think football does need to, look at itself perhaps because as as Di said it's it's been so transformative in, in so much of what it's done and I still think for me one of the most poignant and we've seen so many fantastic displays at Carrow this season but for me the most poignant was uh, the 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 flag that had I think it was Rancic Delia uh, I think it was Justin Fashion on it as well and um, I can't remember the message now was it um, welcome for or Norwich uh, I'm sure Di will remind me, but it, it was uh, basically an inclusive message. It's a, it's a home for everyone. That's, that's it, yeah, yeah which, which was just uh, a, a really beautiful display, a really poignant display. And um, I, th- I think that sums up the city, to be fair, in, in certainly my experience. But yeah, certainly a lot more to be done, certainly a lot more that we all need to do. Um, but it's, it's good to see footballers speak out and, and it's good to see them put their, push their opinions across because I don't think they do it enough in honesty and I, mainly because I don't feel like they feel like they can push it across so it's good that this next generation of younger players that have the confidence and feel like they have the club's support to voice their opinions on, on matters such as this. 
Yeah, no, Robin, I don't know if you sort of agree, but I, I very much feel like nowadays that, that Carrow Road is a very inclusive place. And that, I mean, you're probably within football, you're never going to cancel out prejudice totally, certainly not within people's own minds. You know, hopefully we're, we've reached a point, at least at, at Norwich City particularly, where um, people would keep those kind of negative things to themselves if that's what they, they believe. But I've been involved in football for, for 12 years now. And when, when you're within the game, I very much always have the, the sort of feel that, that players don't see colour. Players are used to sharing a dressing room with with players from all different nations, all different languages, all different cultures. And that when you're within the game, it's not really an issue. But in, in the stands is where the battle is and in wider society. But do you feel like Carrow Road is seen now as, as a pretty inclusive, friendly place where people can feel comfortable? Yeah, absolutely, Dave. I, I think um, I think Carrow Road is is very very good in uh, on that score, and there's been a lot of work that that's gone into achieving that. And obviously, Proud Canaries have, have been at the vanguard of, uh, of of that work and have done a fantastic job. But um, yeah, I, I I can't recall um, any uh, racist abuse in, in in recent times at all. But yeah, you know, let's be clear on this. This isn't an issue that you can talk about solely in football terms. A racist is a racist, whether yeah. whether he or she's a football fan or not. Um, and unfortunately, uh, you know, if somebody has racist views, they're, they're, they're going to have racist views and sometimes they'll express them. But I think that um, one of the great things about Norwich is that it's a very enlightened city generally. Um I think people are, are pretty progressive in their thinking in, in, in Norwich, perhaps more so than uh, than in, in certain other places. OK, well, just finally on this issue and then we'll really get into the football, because obviously we know that our listeners come to us for football. But this is such a big issue at the moment. I just didn't feel it was one we could we could not discuss, it, at least to some extent. Um, Di, Proud Canaries, obviously equality is, is a massive thing that the group you're involved with is, is based around, isn't it? So. Um, I, the, the banner that we we saw unfurled in the in the River End not long ago with, with Justin on, and I guess that's one we may see when when the games are behind closed doors. But generally, the work of Proud Canaries, how much progress do you feel you've made in in recent years? I think it, I mean it's got to the point really that Proud Canaries can just become I mean, one of the reasons we exist is purely to be sociable and um, to provide a place where LGBT. Um, Q plus fans can meet before and after games, meet with um, LGBT um, people from from other clubs before and after games when we play away, whenever that happens again. Um, and um, now we can kind of concentrate on that stuff because everyone else is doing the equality. Um, we are visible. We're visible um, through the banners and um, we're visible on social media. But, you know, uh, the Canaries Trust, the social club, um, along come Norwich, you know, virtually every other fan group and um, and pundits and you guys as well in the media are just so supportive and um, offer that visibility and just make it unquestionable that everybody is welcome at Carrow Road. Um, and I have to say, you know, I think the, the family of fan groups has absolutely come to the foreground during the coronavirus um, crisis. You know, we had a, a meeting that the club organised Normally, we would have had the Global Canaries meeting at Carrow Road uh, before, was it going to be, um, I can't remember which ma match it was going to be before, but um, it, it was one of the matches that was called off in the lockdown, and so it didn't happen. So we had a Zoom meeting 
with fans from across the world uh, the other the other week and it was just so incredible and um that kind of bond you know with um people from all cultures all countries um who just their kind of common um the commonality is that they support Norwich City uh, that was just hugely powerful and I think um Canaries Down Under have decided to organize that on a regular basis now you know it's never happened before and it only happened because we were in the lockdown um but how how brilliant that was uh, so you know just tribute really to the power of fans working together Excellent. right well I'm sure I can speak for everyone involved in our podcast when saying that equality and peace for all is what we we all want to see um and fair play you know all power to people who are dedicating their time and efforts to to really campaigning at the moment for for fair rights for everyone lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office more than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That's some really interesting stuff to kick off with, but let's let's get stuck into the football because we have had the fixtures confirmed since we last recorded the podcast, haven't we, Connor? And... We are resuming the season as it was suspended. It's going to be Southampton, of course, on a Friday. But we've also heard the details of, of the FA Cup outlined, haven't we? Yeah, we have, which uh, I think is such a massive thing for, for Norwich and Norwich supporters. This is their first sort of quarterfinal in 28 years, isn't it? So, it's, I mean, it's not going to be the occasion we all hoped it would be and with Carroll Road under the lights. But it's, it's still going to be a, a really special day for Norwich City players. And, and they deserve their crack at, at trying to win it. And, um, you know, because... Players, I, I think so much focus has been on the fans not being there, and, and rightly so. But equally, you've got a, a, a group of players there who have worked so hard, putting so much sacrifice to, to become a professional footballer. Um, it's very easy to go throughout your career as a footballer without winning anything or without getting really a shot at winning anything. And to be in a quarterfinal of, of a domestic competition, whatever that is, then I, I think it's only right given how much footballers sacrifice and yes they, they they get paid handsomely and 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 that is a factor as well but there is a lot of hard work and graft that goes in behind the scenes and for me personally I, I think this group of players and, and this squad deserve after what they've achieved at Tottenham and, and what they've achieved um, probably last season as well to, to really have a shot at, at trying to win a, a domestic trophy and it's obviously a competition that, that Norwich City haven't won so um, and and really what, whatever happens from here is a bonus because if, if I'm putting on my, my realism hat, it's, it's probably unlikely that they, they progress through to the next round. But you've, you've got to be a little bit of a dreamer, a little bit of a believer. And I think whilst that carrot is there, they, they've, got to try and, they've got to try and win it. And, and, it, and that's the same for, for all of this in the last nine games. And if anything, I think if I was a player, I'd feel almost a bit more of a duty to go and perform for the supporters because they aren't there. And perhaps I'd try and take it on myself to, to try and perform even better. But... It's, it's going to be incredibly difficult without supporters because I think Norwich, undoubtedly playing Manchester United, will now have less of an advantage without their home support. Um, but it's there, it's doable and it's possible. So they've, they've got to try and compete for it. And I think from 
Daniel Farker's part, obviously I spoke to him last week. He, he's obviously very pleased to get that opportunity to, to have a go at it and to try and win it. And um, I, I think that's what they'll strive towards. And I think that's what the supporters will want to see, ultimately. Well, Connor will have his optimists hat on then uh, at <laughs> Southampton next Friday, um, which is followed by the following Wednesday at home to Everton. They're both six o'clock kickoffs. Um, the Southampton game is on, on Sky, which is on their free to air channel, I think, pick. Uh, the Everton game's on the BBC, so that's uh, uh, going to be a, a big moment. Norwich uh, live on the BBC for the first time since, I'd imagine, late 80s, something like that, without having checked that yet. Then it's on to the Saturday with Man United at home, again on the BBC, 5.30, that FA Cup quarterfinal. And then it's the following Wednesday, Arsenal away, 6pm on BT Sport. Now, also, the Premier League have sort of released how the rest of the season is going to shape out although the actual timings and finer details haven't been confirmed yet. But the following Saturday is Brighton at home. Then it's midweek Watford away. Uh, so still following the same schedule as before. Uh, then it's back to Saturday West Ham, at, or weekend, I should say, West Ham at home. Midweek is Chelsea away. Then it's weekend. It'll be Burnley at home or the FA Cup semi-final. Who knows? Um, with the season to finish um, at July 26th weekend at Manchester City. Um, although, of course, we could still have the FA Cup final the following weekend as well. So we've got a bit of, a, of an outline. And this seems like a, a good point to uh, tell you the results of our poll on Twitter. We asked how confident Norwich fans are feeling about survival press prospects before the fixtures resume. And winning uh, with 36% of the vote is that the great escape is on. Uh, <laughs> second is uh, it's looking unlikely with 25%. Uh, third was bring on the championship with 21%. And <laughs> fourth was tough, but the break has helped with 18%. So, Robin, how are you How are you sort of feeling? I, I guess we're, we're back to that kind of um, putting on our optimism hats again. Uh, the sort of early season feel, aren't we, in terms of anything, anything feels like it's possible to a certain extent because of the break? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've, we've got no idea what to expect, have we? I mean, it's completely unprecedented. Um, there's, there's, there's no blueprint to refer to. Um, anything could happen, which makes it quite interesting, really. Um, obviously, the, the positive is that we've got pretty much a full squad available for the first time for a very long time. I think only, only Sam Byron remains on the, uh, the injured list. Um, but who knows I, I'm neither optimistic nor pessimistic I, I, I've got to be honest I, I just think it's going to be really really weird and uh, yeah. um, I can't get overly excited about it but um, it's, uh, it is what it is we'll have to see what happens and Di how are you sort of feeling about those survival chances as we as we head back into the games oh i'm with connor i'm the eternal optimist um yeah i can see the double <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I i against my better judgment really i i'm strongly believe that football without fans is nothing i think we all do don't we and it was great to hear the club say that as well when we we had our, our um, zoom meeting with them um you know obviously um, we've heard Daniel Farker say um, he wants to give the guys an opportunity to show that they can they can do the great escape. Um, but we all know, yeah, we all know it's about the money, and I think all of us 
um, wanted to make sure that everybody uh, was as safe as they possibly could be. And I think bringing football back probably doesn't follow that kind of um, that priority. But um, yeah, against my better judgment, I have been watching um, the Bundesliga and, um, you know, supporting Paderborn, which seems to be an absolutely lost cause now. Um, and I, I live quite close to Carrow Road, so I, I won't be venturing down there, but it, it's going to be really, really hard to, uh, you know, I'm just going to watch it on TV, but it's going to be really hard to know that football's going on and, and not be there. Um, but yeah, anything could happen and you know what's brilliant about our team is is seeing um the character of the guys over the through the crisis um you know out doing stuff um with the welfare packages and sending messages on social media and phoning old fans up uh, older fans up and um and you know they always seem to be doing training at home, and um, you know through the club social media we we um, saw them catching up with each other, um, and they were really keen to get back into training. And there were none of they wouldn't be, would there? But there were none of those stories that we read about from players at other clubs, you know, driving across the country and and having parties, and it just wouldn't happen with our guys. So you know that they are absolutely going to give it everything. And um, and they know that we'll be watching um, digitally, so yeah, anything could happen. Yeah, I think they're going to be they're going to be really up for it. Um, Connor, I'll come to you in a minute about the you've been doing a bit of digging, haven't you, in terms of how the club are preparing for this and that side of um, how they're trying to encourage fans to stay away from things. But Robin, if I just come back to you on on that meeting with the club's um, sort of senior staff over Zoom with the support groups last week. Um, I think there was a, a bit more talk about the finances, wasn't there? When uh, early in the suspension. Uh, ben Kensel had told us that they were planning for an 18 to 35 million pound loss. So that, that looks like it's going to be the lower end of that now, thanks, thanks to them being able to get the games played again. But um, I, I get the feeling that, that fans aren't that worried about dropping back into the championship overly. In, it, you know, if relegation happens, I, I don't think there's going to be a, a complete meltdown. The only big thing really of that is is the financial worries, isn't it? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, and, uh, and, um, just to come back to the figures that you quoted, um, what we were actually told is that, yes, the, the original range was expected to be between 18 and 35, but now we're expecting it's probably going to be somewhere between 12 and 15 and probably at the lower end of that scale, uh, which is, is very good news. And, and you have to give huge credit to Zoe Stewart and, and Ben who yeah. work the backsides off to... Um, um, keep the club as financially viable as possible. I know they uh, they got stick in some quarters for the furloughing decision, but you have to be realistic and and, and say we haven't got rich owners, we haven't got somebody who's, who's going to underwrite a huge deficit, uh, and we have to make savings wherever we can. And if if the scheme was available, then I think they were right to go for it. Um, that won't go down with some people, and some people are still vehemently opposed to it, but. I think it was it was the right decision for for the club, and that's what they're paid to to make. Um, but um, but yeah, I, I think we're in in reasonably good shape. And coming back to the, your first point, I agree that uh, a lot of people are, are, are not that uncomfortable with going back to to the championship. Not so much from a, a pure footballing point of view, but I think that a lot of people are very, very um, 
uncomfortable with the way in which the Premier League has shown itself in its true colours over this, this crisis. Um, you know, the fact that, that money has trumped absolutely everything uh, and it's also shone a spotlight onto the way that, that, that football is administered. Um, we have this huge amount of money that's pouring in at the top of the game, which is, is largely going straight out again in, in inflated wage packets, huge agents fees and, and, and so on. And nothing is being built. Whilst below the Premier League, um, the rest of the pyramid is, is largely being left to rot. Um, so, yeah, um, I don't like the Premier League very much. Um, once you, you take the quality of football away from it, I, I think it's uh, an institution that's built on sand and at some point it will be washed away, whether that's because the bubble bursts uh, financially or because the, the, the big clubs do what they've been threatening to do for years and, and uh, clear off and form a European Super League. Um, but something will snap and I, I think it will, will snap in the next five years. Yeah, it's not fun playing on a billionaire's playground when you're a millionaire, is it? <laughs> um, it, it does uh, It does make success that bit sweeter, though, doesn't it? Like that Manchester City win. And if yeah. they were to pull off the greatest game now, well, it is going to be satisfying because the club is going to be in quite a position to, to progress from there. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. Um, Connor, the immediate concern for the club um, is making plans for this restart in very sterile environment, I guess. Um, they've got to make sure they tick all these hygiene boxes, um, which probably confirm that we we will be at the game. We'll have at least one of us at the Southampton game. We're hopeful of more, and we're hopeful of more beyond that first game as well. But um, we're um, we're still firming up those plans. But of course, we'll have at least one of us there, uh, and Paddy will be back from his uh, paternity leave next week as well. So we're 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 getting up to full strength as well as the Norwich City squad. Yeah. Um, but Connor, you've been doing a bit of digging on the exact plans being put in place, haven't you? Yeah, I have, and 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 they've had to be really proactive around this. I think I think when you sort of um, perhaps think of it from a logistical perspective, it's it's quite difficult to uh, to think about. But obviously, the issue of of supporters congregating is is one they want to avoid. It's a very real issue. It's why we've throughout this had reports of neutral venues, and uh, obviously we've seen today that the Merseyside derby is is now going to take place at Goodison Park, which is fantastic news. I think in in terms for that game and. And, and for that city, actually, it's it's very good. Um, but obviously, I suppose the, the major concern they had was probably around the hotel in, in the corner, because uh, obviously some of those rooms are, are pitch side rooms. Uh, they, they've had to have discussions, lengthy discussions, I think, with uh, Holiday Inn, who, who, who's obviously a hotel it is. And, and, and they have agreed to, um, that, that those rooms won't be sold. So supporters won't be able to, to watch the game from in there and, and, and congregate from, with, from in there or um, around the grounds. Um, and in, in terms of ensuring that the stadium perhaps has a bit more colour, feels a bit more lively than perhaps what we've seen in the Bundesliga at times. I know they've tried artificial crowd noise, which was, was beneficial. Um, and we've we've also seen some Bundesliga clubs have like personalised cutouts, haven't we, of, of supporters. I think uh, Brighton, I think West Ham as well are, are doing that in their stadiums. Uh, Norwich won't be. They, they've decided instead they're going to use sort of colourful banners, essentially like the ones we see in in displays, um, there's, there's going to be a specific one from Junior Canaries with messages of support on, which I think is a, a fantastic idea. Um, along come Norwich as, as well, have some ideas about different things that, that they want to do around it. So um, I, th I think that banner scheme is a Premier League one, but I think Norwich within that are going to get their own banners to sort of decide what they want to do and, and modify how they like. And obviously there's going to be some responses on, that's the nature of it. But 
I think some of those they're, they're going to try and make personal and, and, and try and essentially it's about making that connection, isn't it, with the supporters whilst they're not there. And I think that that is a, a, a small, probably, um, yeah, a very small way of, of doing that. But if it makes supporters feel a bit more attached to it and a bit more connected with it, then it's better than, in my view, having perhaps a, a load of empty seats. Um, and yeah, I, I think that's about it. Really, obviously, we've seen the programmes. They're, they're still doing those. Uh, you can get those online, can't you, and, and get them posted. So that's really nice as well. So there's a lot of good ideas that they're, that they're doing. They, they obviously had a friendly back at Carrow Road yesterday just to sort of um, have a run through of what a match day looks like at Carrow Road, essentially. It was it was an in-house one. It was, uh, I think, 3-3 in the end. Uh, Tim Closer scored quite quite the volley. Oh, um, so so I, I think they, they have put in a lot of work and a, a lot of effort into these um into these plans and obviously the message for supporters is as much as you want to be there and, and they've adopted the together but apart tagline haven't they and I think that's that's really important they, they need to feel supporters support but but equally they need supporters to not turn up and congregate at Carrow Road because as uh, as we reported a, a week or so ago that could lead to lead to hefty fines and, and punishments for the club and uh, after Robin's talked so much about the financial situation and how well they've done to um, minimise that I, I guess the, the last thing they want is is fines on top of that to, to increase their woes so, and couldn't it um, lead to um, introduction of neutral grounds instead yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Absolutely, and I absolutely think that would be devastating wouldn't it and we're talking about the cup as well so um, I think I mean I think our, our supporters are pretty smart um, I, I, I can't imagine that it's going to be a massive problem do you think it is no, I no, I think Paul and Leeds is the big ones, isn't it? Really, um, they're, they're the fans who you could see. I mean, Coventry have actually had to put out a statement this morning, haven't they? Um, because of their... Robin. <laughs> <laughs> Unless Robin's got a tail suddenly. Yeah, no, no, that's uh, that, that's my cat. I'm afraid he's decided to make I'm an appearance. He'll probably talk more sense than me, to be honest. <laughs> well, as Chris Lake, he's not on the show this week. His his cats normally join us. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Coventry had to sort of put out a bit of a statement after their title was confirmed in League One because some of their fans had gathered for a bit of celebration. So really? um, I don't think that was too large scale. But they're they're the Liverpool and Leeds are the sort of two flashpoints. But I I think generally people will will be able to behave. But sorry, Connor, you were saying. Well, well, yeah, I I think you're spot on. I think there's. Um... I don't know, perhaps an idea around football fans as a whole that, that there needs to be, uh, it needs to be fairly rigorous, I guess, in terms of the planning. And, and, and that's right in, in terms of you have to plan for that. But I think football fans in, in the whole are, are fairly sensible and, and they understand the situation. And as much as it will be painful and it, it will be painful for, for supporters who, who can't be there, because as as Di said earlier, as Norwich have said, as, as several other people have said, football without the fans is is... It's going to be very strange and it's, it's not going to be the same and it's probably not going to feel the same or as good. But if it's a choice between without fans or having no football at all for however long, then ultimately, I, I guess this is the decision that, that, that has had to be reached. And that's that's it for fans. It's 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 going to be tough. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's for their safety as much as anything else. And, and I think ultimately that's that's what they've got to remember because this this thing that uh, we're all having to live with and, and, and live through um, hasn't, hasn't gone away so it's 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 all about their safety and, and hopefully um, we will we won't see supporters um, around grounds and, and they'll stay at home and watch it on TV.
Dar, you'll have to be our scout then as you as you near to Carrow Road. I'm going to torture myself, really. What's really odd is, um, I can't remember why this is the case, but I have been at home sometimes when there've been matches going on. I must, I don't know if I've been ill or I don't know. But so um, that's the other thing is like being here and not being able to hear the mm-hmm. fans. Yeah, because we can hear goal celebrations um, up the road, around the road at our offices. You can hear the cheer of a goal. So I can't imagine what it's like for a house right near the ground. Yeah. Um, So in a way, that kind of nullifies it as well. What's the point of going if you can't hear anything? Well, we shall see. It'll be interesting. But yeah, that friendly, um, the the teams were split into yellows and reds. There were some under-23s players involved. Caleb Richards, Jordan Thomas, Louis Lomas. Um... Josh Martin, who of course signed his new contract recently, and yeah, the goals they they said it was all six goals that they put in the highlights package. Um, Adam Eder, uh, Timmy Pookie, and that Tim Closer goal um, for the yellows, and then the Reds came back with go- goals from Josip Dermic uh, and Andre Duda penalty, and then Duda as well um, after he was set up by Max Aaron. So a three-three friendly, and uh, yeah, they've got another one on Friday against Spurs at an undisclosed location. So. Mm-hmm. Um, that will uh, that will get them nicely warmed up. But with all that going on, uh, yesterday, Tuesday, we saw that the EFL had finally made their decision. Um, and there's loads of Norwich angles in this. Points per game agreed upon. League One and League Two uh, clubs agreeing to curtail their season, although the Championship is planning to uh, go ahead uh, the same as the Premier League. So uh, the the main one is Coventry, who, as we mentioned, won the League One title. They are managed by Mark Robbins, of course, former Norwich striker. And they've got Sam McCallum at left back, who's played a big part for them. Uh, Norwich uh, agreed to a deal worth up to £3.5 for him in January. So he comes in on a high. Sean Raggett with Portsmouth is heading into the playoffs. Isaac Thorbaldson as well with Fleetwood, although he's only made a couple of brief substitution, uh, substitute appearances for them. So I think that they're... Uh, deals have got to technically still be extended, but um, I guess that won't be a, won't be an issue. You've got Russell Martin, Carl Morris and Louis Thompson at MK Dons. They all stay clear of relegation. So uh, Russ has done a decent job there. Remy Matthews relegated with Bolton. There's there's angles everywhere. But Robin, I'll, I'll give you the I'll give you the good one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Lowest position since 1953 for Ipswich. Paul Lambert. Uh, has been publicly backed since by their by town's general manager, but um, Ipswich, despite uh, some attempts to try and drag the playoffs down to mid table, are staying put. <laughs> yeah, tragic, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the um, I, I thought the, uh, the 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 playoff proposal was pretty remarkable, suggesting that basically the playoffs could be open to anybody who fancied it. Really. It's, uh, <laughs> I think it shows the level of delusion that uh, that reigns in Suffolk. It does. But I'm always a kind of, I think I'm slightly different to a lot of Norwich fans in that I, I lived with an Ipswich fan at uni for two years. So I sort of have a bit of a uh, a fun side of the rivalry. And, and I, I love the derby days because I love the banter and stuff. Like that. So we know, unless there's a cup draw next year, that there's not going to be a derby. But personally i wouldn't want to see that continue for too long because it's kind of like superman and lex luther you norwich need it switched to, to a certain extent oh no, <laughs> no. <laughs> I like the in theory but it's just just torturous it's torment never enjoyed it never um, enjoyed it no i can't I, I get excited about it beforehand and obviously love it when you know we triumph 
but it's just so painful. Well, I'm sure we can stomach seeing them down there for one more year, but um, let's just hope there's still two divisions between. Uh... Just great to see Lambert squirm, and presumably he'll <laughs> he'll he'll be telling us what a brilliant result it is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and how great the fans are. But he, he signed a new long-term contract as well, didn't he? So it's interesting they backed him. Uh, Matt Gill, of course, is assistant there as well. So um, we'll watch with interest. Well, let's worry about uh, Norwich before we crow uh, before we crow too much, I, I suppose. But um, Another, another few nice angles in there. Connor Dialangelis, seeing uh, Norwich have uh, let him go or letting him go at the end of his contract, but he, he's got a League Two winners medal as well. So there's loads of Norwich angles to this, aren't there? Yeah, Paul Warren as well, uh, Norwich City fan back yeah. in the Championship. He's, he's done a remarkable job at Rotherham. He really has with with limited funds. I think him and him and Mark Robbins are, are very quietly doing very good jobs actually at their respective clubs. And it's probably a shame Pad's not here to talk about the Coventry uh, promotion, but. Um, <laughs> You know, it's it's. It, I mean, if you if you look at that club, I mean, Mark Robbins in particular, just to touch on him, if if you look at where that club has been and all of the um, all of the goings on off off the pitch with the stadium and, and not having a, a real home stadium to uh, to achieve what what they've achieved this season. I mean, I went to watch them once this season to go and watch Sam McCallum uh, at St Andrews, and they were playing Bolton, who who are obviously in in a pretty dire state, but. I mean, some some of the football they played was 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 very good actually, and and perhaps not what you'd associate with a League One side. But they got the ball down, they played really well, um, and I guess from from a Norwich perspective, the fact that Sam McCallum is is sort of developing in that environment is really positive. But I mean, yeah, you, you've got to give credit to Mark Robbins because um, they were, they were in League Two. I think when he when he came in, they're now going to be playing in the Championship, and hopefully they can get back to the Rico and. Um, and have, and have a good go next season as well, because uh, that's obviously a massive club and, and, and I think it deserves to be in probably the top two divisions at least. But yeah, lots of Norwich City angles and uh, yeah, so pleased with Paul Warren that's as well. That's such after. a great message for football, isn't it? It is. Connor, you know, you could have seen um, a, a couple of years back, you could have seen that they were just going to go out of, out of the Football League. Um, yeah. It's just been such an amazing uh, battle against uh, adversity and financial problems. Yeah, and, and for their fans as well, who had to endure when they were playing their home games at Northampton. You know, it's it's been a it's been a real struggle. I think they hadn't finished in in the top six of a league in about fifty years, and he was the first manager to achieve that. So um, they're a club back on the up, and it's it's good to see him him leading that charge because obviously he's someone I think Norwich fans remember quite fondly. Yeah, and Coventry obviously spent a long, long time in the top flight as well, didn't they? Yeah, was it in the sixties to the nineties, something like that, and almost uninterrupted. So. Um, yeah, a real, real big club. I'm um, good to see them sort of back on the rise. And yeah, I, I, we'll get Mr. Davitt's thoughts on that next week um, if he's awake as a as a new father, of course. He'll be partying. He'll be partying. <laughs> I'm sure he will. <laughs> um, he'll be able to get a title winner's baby grow or something, won't he? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. From true crime to football, Brexit to folklore. For more great podcasts from Archant, head to audioboom.com/channel/archant. So, yes, lots of angles on that one. And, of course, pinkin.com is the place to go if you want to read all, all the details. That came out on, on, on Tuesday. Um, we did have a little bit as well. It looks like the transfer window is probably going to run between August and October. Uh, latest reports are that the uh, that next season will start mid-September for the Championship and, and the Premier League. Um, so there's still still a fair bit to be worked out there. Um, European football, of course, I haven't um, quite worked that out yet. I think for meeting is due next week, and it sounds like they're going to try and play the Europa League and the Champions League 
in August, perhaps in one location and just sort of cram the games into quite a short space of time. But um, I think we're, we're just about seeing how football is going to look. Um, but of course, without fans. Um, and we've got a question along those lines, which was tweeted to us by Billy Durrant. Uh, Robin, I'll come to you first on this and then come to, to Diane Connor as well. Um, very simply, will it be harder to get fired up for the games without any crowd? Uh, I think I think he's meaning for the players. Um, do you think that they will really be able to feel the, the, the support, even though fans won't be there? I think it's going to be very, very difficult for players. It's quite interesting, actually. Um, in the video conference last week, um, Stuart Weber was talking about uh, how they'd been checking on, on what had happened in the Bundesliga. And he, he said that initially the players were coming back fired up and excited to be playing again. And after a couple of weeks, they were developing a bit of a, why on earth am I doing this attitude? Um, so I think it is, it's going to be very, very hard for players. You know, when you've been used to playing in front of, of thousands and thousands of people, playing in an empty ground uh, is very difficult. I mean, you know, as a footballer myself, I never played in front of more than about 2,000 people and considerably less than that most of the time. But playing in an empty ground, you know, turning out for the reserves after injury or, or something, was just really weird. So, you know, multiply that by, uh, uh, you know, quite a big factor and it must have a huge psychological impact on players. Yeah, Di, if I come to you next oh, yeah, I, In a way, I think we're, our guys are going to be at a bit of an advantage because it's quite unusual for them to be on TV. Well, it wasn't last year, obviously, in the Championship, we always were, but in the Premier League it has been. And um, so... Uh, and they're not, you know, it's wonderful as Carrow Road is. It's not, it's not Old Trafford. It's not um, the Etihad. So, um, and our guys, you know, some of them quite recently have been in um, comparatively low leagues. So I think psychologically they've got um, a pretty good armoury, really. Um, and, you know, them, the management and the club organisation is just brilliant and I think in a way it, it sets us up a lot better than it, it does some clubs it's not great and um, there must be a big part of successful footballers that is about feeding off the fans and the atmosphere in the stadium and one of the things about watching the Bundesliga has been that just appalling echo uh, <laughs> of an empty ground I'm imagining that the piped uh, sounds might only be on TV rather than actually in, in the grounds they are it's a bit it does a couple of the games i've watched the highlights from in germany it has really sounded like it's in the stadium as well and certainly uh, i wrote in a column uh, probably a couple of weeks ago now that when some of the clubs have got goal music like norwich do don't they and that actually helps a little bit with a goal celebration because it feels a little bit more normal but yeah i i thought that the sort of funneling um fake crowd noise into the stadiums would almost come across as kind of patronizing but from what i've seen it actually seems like it, it's kind of worked um but Didn't they do it at Spurs? When the new stadium opened at Spurs, it was very quiet and there was a suggestion that they'd been piping fans yeah. <laughs> into the... And the there has been suggestion of Liverpool doing it with You'll Never Walk Alone as well, haven't they? Oh, because really? not, not all games have the sort of um, volume that they're big nights. You know, obviously when we were there on the opening night of this season, they didn't need any help, did they? Because they were celebrating winning the European Cup. Yeah. But 
Um, yeah, I think that to build on Robin's point a bit, Connor, that some of these games are going to be dead rubbers. Hopefully, from a Norwich point of view, they're not. But I, I think, is it Crystal Palace v Burnley is live on the BBC? Yeah. I mean, if you're, uh, you know, a, a, a player for either of those teams, motivation might be a little bit of a struggle. Yeah, and, and this this is the point about sort of the restart in a, in a way. The majority of clubs haven't got a lot to play for. Um, and, and so the, the sort of, those who are shouting the loudest are, are teams that are either affected by it from a relegation perspective or they've got something to win or promotion to win, etc. So um, I, I think Roy Hodgson came out yesterday and said, actually, this would be a really good opportunity for him to sort of bed in some of his younger players. Right. And now if, if, if you think about that a little bit, and um, I think it was Josh Martin's quotes the other day um, that, that I read, and I was, I was kind of thinking this, this might be an environment actually that young players prefer more than experienced players because they're used to playing in those environments at training grounds, in empty stadiums um, and, and and performing within those settings. And if you look at someone like Tim Krull, who's had the Barkley, used to play in front of the, the Gallagher end, didn't he, at Newcastle, thrives off that atmosphere as well. That contrast, I think, is interesting. We could see perhaps younger players performing better than, than more experienced players. And equally, I think you're going to see when, when Norwich go to Stamford Bridge and, and when they go to the Emirates and when they go to the Etihad, actually... In that stadium, it's 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 still going to be what it is, which is a magnificent archer structure, which is, is is probably the only time I'll say that on this podcast. But it's it's going to be empty, and so everything about playing there is going to be reduced to an extent, and it's it's just going to be a, a pitch with with seats around it essentially. So again, that could be something that works to Norwich's benefits, and and I think that's probably a reason why home advantage hasn't been as as significant in the Bundesliga since the return. So I, I think there's a few points like that that I'm interested to see how they develop in terms of young talent and and, and in terms of perhaps home advantage and whether that has a, um, a significance so I think that there's also some intriguing sort of sporting things to come out of this as well and uh, what happens on the pitch but yeah it's, it's going to be very strange I mean you're going to be able to hear the players shout you're going to be able to hear the communication um, so I think in terms of from, for fans it's, it's going to be almost like everything stripped back but um, for Norwich, it, it could it could do them some some good actually um, to to maybe take some of that pressure off their backs, I guess, a little bit. But but we'll see how it pans out. They've got to hit the ground running, and and obviously they've got five massive home games, and without supporters, that is obviously going to have an effect. It's it's just a case of how well they can adapt to not having supporters, and whether they can actually harness it and use it a little bit as an advantage. So um, we shall see. But but yeah, I, th- I think there is some. There are a lot of those middle of the, of the road teams that are, are probably going to be sort of looking at each other going, why are we doing this? Because for them, it's it's pretty meaningless and, and they're only probably putting themselves at risk more than anything else, really. I'm certainly not looking forward to covering games without fans. We, in Germany in pre-season last year, we covered a behind-closed-doors game at the hotel that City was staying at that the fans weren't allowed into because the complex wasn't set up to have a load of fans come and watch a football game. And um, while that annoyed some of the fans, understandably, who were on tour, um, it, it wasn't a particularly nice game to, to come from our point of view, knowing that the fans couldn't come in. Um, so that was something that I was quite aware of. But that one thing you mentioned there, you, that you can hear everything the players are saying from from a reporter's point of view, that's that's kind of gold. It's, it's oh, it's great. great. <laughs> yeah, it's great. To, to Match reports will have, co- uh, we'll have quotes in now. Yeah. <laughs> Grant Hanley shouted... <laughs> Lots of, I think Sky are going to be apologising for language quite a lot, though. <laughs> I think they are, yeah. Quite possibly. Yeah. 
Um, right. Well, um, just finally, a couple of things. Um, Di did mention um, Germany. Um, we did have a, a improvement for Philipp Heiser, who is the Norwich player who has been uh, in action. Um, he's been playing, of course, for Nuremberg in the second tier. He got an assist, um, set up an equaliser, actually, against the Bundesliga 2 leaders, Arminia Bielefeld. Um, he's had a. He seems like he's had a bit of a rocky restart over over in Germany. So uh, he got a full ninety minutes as well. So it looks like he's got himself sort of up to speed. But as you say, Dennis Rabini um, with Paderborn not looking good. There eight points from the relegation playoff with four games left. But they have had successive promotions to the Bundesliga, haven't they, Di? So I, I guess they 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 can a little bit comparable to Norwich, aren't they? And if they do go back down, they they're still pretty happy with their overall situation. Yeah, and they were playing a uh, they were playing Dortmund uh, last weekend, weren't they? So it was no surprise, really. Yeah, they, well, they got a draw against draw against Leipzig, didn't they? Um, yeah, that was decent. Well. Yeah. So um, yeah, not not all this last. So an up and coming club there, and and I think Sabini's already talked a little bit as well about how he, you know, it could be good for him playing in the second division as well because he's obviously managed to keep scoring goals. So, um, we'll keep watching Germany of interest. Um, Nelson Oliveira is back in action in uh, Greece with AEK Athens. Um, Ivo Pinto is playing in Portugal. So the football world is slowly moving back in, and and I've read a few reports that even in Italy and in Spain that they are looking at potentially having some fans in stadiums or having maybe. 10,000 very much socially distanced so um, there there has been a few mentions that the FA Cup final could even have that at Wembley so we shall see how things evolve over the next couple of weeks Um, I did just want to ask Dias as we had you on you're involved with Norwich City women aren't you and um, clearly everything's been sort of cancelled for for this season but where where do you guys you ladies sorry (laughs) uh, would be a better phrase to use um, stand in terms of when you might be able to start playing football again or, or even training yeah, it's, it's it's up in the air, um, as is everything. And uh, it, it does feel a little as if the um, FA have just kind of um, swept the uh, the women's leagues to one side um, and, uh, you know, uh, National League and, um, and lower leagues as well uh, in order to concentrate on, on the Premier League. Um, so, I mean, all I can say is that um, the... The, the it's a pretty new operation really in terms of um Sean the new manager and um and the new management committee and the new um forging of the relationship with um Norwich City mm. as the overarching family club you um, have all the kit proper kit and stuff now don't you the latest kit yeah it, you know it's so much better and and those foundations have been built um it, you know with a lot of work over the last year so um, when it does start, I think it's it's pretty exciting, and you know, there's no doubt that um, finishing the season um, is a, you know without being relegated is a good thing. So um, let's you know let's take that and really build on it for the future. And um, I think uh, the future promises some great things from Norwich City women. Good stuff. Well, fingers crossed that everybody at sort of the, the lower levels of football can get back to playing as well, because I'm sure. Every- as much as we all talk about the Premier League, a lot of people play football as well who haven't been able to, to actually kick a ball about. So, um, unfortunately, not me. <laughs> I can't remember the last time I played football, actually. I mean, not me. One, of the thing, one of the few things I've been doing uh, consciously in lockdown as a kind of self-improvement exercise is keepy uppies because I've always been ashamed of how few I could do. And, um, and I did manage last week. This might be the only time in my life. I managed 23, so I was quite pleased with myself, really. Nice. Um, well, Paddy claimed he could do over a hundred. 
No way! Oh, don't give up. <laughs> no, no, Robin, you must have been able to do a few. Yeah. I am going to give up. Yeah, I think I'd struggle these days, though. <laughs> Uh, and Connor, of course, you nearly made it, didn't you? You, you were nearly a pro, so. Well, I, I, you know, I always say if I'd had a bit more ability, then I probably could have been a professional footballer. So. It's <laughs> <laughs> stuff. Uh, well, I, I'd imagine I'd struggle to do ten now. So, who knows? But at least we're moving back towards a bit of normality. Thank you very much for for joining us, Robin and Di. It's been really interesting to to get your thoughts. And uh, of course, next week we'll really be able to to crank things up as we build up to that Southampton game. As I say, Paddy will be back on board and be great to have a catch up with him as well um so thank you very much for listening as ever this is your podcast as much as it is ours so if you ever want to get in touch with us then please do send us a message on social media or you can email us on norfolk sport at archant.co.uk you can also listen to us on wednesday nights on future radio 107.8 fm and any ratings or reviews are always very welcome if you're not subscribed to the pod please do as i said at the top of the show this is episode 403 so we're going going pretty strong um Stay safe, look after yourself. Let's hope the weather picks up a little bit ahead of the weekend and we will catch up with you very soon. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC.